Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. So we've been looking at Joseph. I want you to turn. You're going to turn to Genesis 45 and then also Romans 12. But we've been using Joseph as our example, as our illustration. We've been using him as a character. I love because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Lord has given us examples that he used the word, the Bible, all the stories that are happening. He says, I gave them as examples so that you would know how to live. And so today we're going to use Joseph. We're going to look at him as an example because Joseph had the secret. He understood how to respond and how to overcome evil. And when we first began, we said he understood or he had the secret to overcoming evil. And he knew that involved by something he knew. Something this week we're going to talk about he did and then something he refused to do. So on our first week, we said it was something he knew. So we said Joseph knew something. And that's why he could respond the way he did, because he knew, first of all, that what God is in control. He knew God was in control. That was the first thing he knew. God was in control. The second thing that Joseph knew is that he was on a what? assignment. He understood he was on an assignment. And then the last thing that Joseph knew is he knew that God was going to use it for his good and what? God's glory. So because he understood that in the midst of what was happening, he could declare, I am not a victim. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. So that was our first lesson. So today now we're going to look at not only was it something he knew, because you can know a whole lot of stuff. But it's not just based upon what we know. It's got to be based upon what we do. Because we could know a whole lot of stuff. But if you don't do based upon what you know, then it does not matter what you know. If you don't respond, see, Joseph now is going to do, he's going to respond in relation to what he knows. So I want us to look at Genesis 45. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13. And then I also want us to read Romans 12. So we're going to read Romans 12, and we're going to look at verse 14 and also verse 21. So I pray that you continue in your reading. So let's look at, um, let's look at Genesis 45, and let's look at verse 9 through 13 first. And the Bible says, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of what? Goshen. I want you to remember that. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years. How many years left? There's still five years of famine, five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brethren, brother Benjamin, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So Joseph says, it's me, I'm talking. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt 
and of all that you have what? Seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Let's look at Romans 12. Look at Romans 12 because you are our 12 guests. That's why we have these on. We've been wearing these to say we are our 12 believer. We are Romans 12 believer. We believe that we live a life based upon Romans 12. If we live in accordance to it, we read it every day. If we live in accordance to Romans 12, we believe we'll get somewhere. So Romans 12, let's look at verse 14. And then I also want us to look at verse 21. So verse 14 and verse 21. Come on, read these with me. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Let's read that again one more time, verse 14, one more time. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, with good, with good, with good, with good. So now we begin to look at Joseph and we look at Joseph from this, this character, from this perspective, because Joseph was mistreated. Joseph was persecuted. Joseph was separated. Imagine this. He was separated at a young age from a father who loved him. I, I don't know, Jackson and Jason, you just, it, it would just seem to be hard to even imagine now somebody else comes, separate you from your dad. Y'all been having a great time. You love him. You're young boys. And now all of a sudden you're separated from him. You go to this place where you don't know these people. You have no idea who they are. They don't even eat what you eat. So none of the food is what you like, right? They don't even talk like you talk. The language they speak, you don't even understand their language because they speak something totally different. But not only that, your father thinks that you're dead. So he's not going to come to look for you because he assumes based upon what these other brothers have told him that you're dead. So now you're in this place. You can't tell anybody, well, listen, I need to go find my dad. He's around the corner. He's a now I know that your dad would be like taken. He would be in there. Your dad, Bart, would be saying, I will get you. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about being gone too long. Bart's coming to get you. Your dad's coming to get you. But Jacob had no idea because he didn't have the same communication, the same things we have. So he has no idea that my son's, my son is really alive. He's really living. And so finally the brothers come and they meet him and they realize that he is doing well and this is Joseph. But here is where Joseph now gets a chance to overcome the evil that was done to him by responding to them in a way that they can't understand. Now, I want you all to start getting people in your mind. I know you probably got some of them, people that you can't stand, or people that have done you wrong, or people that have mistreated you, or people that you've decided you're going to handle them, you know, with a long handle spoon. I want you to get some of those people in your mind. How you know whether or not you got them is if when they come around, you really can't deal with them too tight. You, you, that's how you know if you got them, how you, how you know if you got them or how, how you know if they still, you still haven't fully forgiven and released them is if when you talk about it, it still hurts. It still hurts. You still, you still swell up. You still cry. You still lift your voice a little bit. You still got it. You still got it. And it's okay because this is about going through a process. That's what we're going to realize is that forgiveness really is a process. You got to do it, but then to walk through it is a process. But here, here, Joseph, here, Joseph does. I I believe that he does. He does uh, three things, actually, that he does with them. And this is what I want us to see. He sets them. He sustains them. And he speaks to them. 
He sets them, he sustains them, and he speaks to them. So the first thing that we see Joseph does is Joseph tells them, he says, now, this is who I am and this is what's going on. But he says, go get my father and and, and tell him to come here. And verse 10 says, he says, I am going to now set you in the land of Goshen. So these brothers who've mistreated him, who have done him wrong, he says, go get my father, bring my father back. And when you bring him back, I'm going to take all of y'all and I'm going to put you, I'm going to set you in a land of Goshen. He says, I'm going to set you in Goshen. You're going to live there, but not just you living there. You're going to be near. You're going to be close to me because he, he desired to see them and to get to know them and to, to understand who their children were and their children's children. So he says, all of y'all are going to come here and I'm going to set you in Goshen. Now, here's what I want you to understand about Goshen. I want you to understand that Goshen was a cultivated land. Goshen was the best place in Egypt. Goshen was a place where they could live and not just live off the land, but they could also raise cattle and livestock. So everything could bear the land. I don't know if you remember when Abraham brought Lot back with him, they couldn't all stand on the land. You remember that? They had to separate because the land couldn't take care of all of them without there being confusion. But Goshen was a place in Egypt where the land could stand both them as well as their possessions, their cattle, everything could survive in Goshen. So he goes and he gets them. He says, I want you to come to the best land. I don't want to just tolerate you. I don't want to just say with my mouth that I've forgiven you, but I want to set you in Goshen. I want to set you in a place that's going to do you well, even though you did me wrong. I want you to understand what Goshen is because what happens is you and I have to set some people in Goshen. We got to set some people in a place because Goshen is a place of mercy. It's a place of compassion. It's a place that says, I know what you did, but now I'm going to set you in Goshen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Y'all, 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 y'all got some people. By the time we finish, I hope you let them go. I hope, I hope you let them go. Because, see, if you're willing to set somebody over in Goshen, then you can go ahead and go live. See, because Joseph could put them in their place and allow them to live. He could now go back to where he was and live. He didn't have to sit down and watch them. He didn't put them down. He could have put them in the chambers. He could have put them in prison. He could have put, he could have said, you all did me wrong. And now I'm going to put you down in jail. And he would have to have a whole crew watching them to see what they were doing. How they were doing it, he would have to go down and check on them. But he said, no, I'm going to put you over in Goshen. See, the problem that you and I have is that we have people who have mistreated us. And in our minds, they occupy a space that is not a place of freedom. They occupy a space in our minds where we now rehearse what they did to us and how they did it and what they did and what we're not going to do to them and what we're not going to give them. But if we would move them out of that space and put 
sin, then we would have mercy on them and we get some peace. The only way that you and I can show mercy is if we are willing to release them. If we're willing to release them not to evil, because that's the issue is, is that when we look at them, we realize that, you know, they still, they look like they're living good. Well, listen, when you put them in Goshen, you know they're going to live good. And we're not worried about whether or not they get what they deserve because we already have in our minds, we already know God is in control. God has me on an assignment and everything's working for my good and his glory. So I can put them over in Goshen. Come on, you need to evict some people out of your mind and you need to put them over in Goshen. You need to let them go ahead and pack their bags up and say, you're going to Goshen. You're going to Goshen. Every time they come back to your mind and you want to start rehearsing, you're like, no, 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 you ain't coming back in here. You got to go to Goshen. Come on, go ahead and send them to Goshen. Come on, go to Goshen. Tell them, go to Goshen. Go to Goshen. Go to Goshen. Go go to Goshen. Go, go. I don't have time to take care of you over here. You need to go to Goshen. See, 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 mercy is not mercy unless you have the power to withhold it. It's only when you have the power to withhold justice and the power to withhold harm. It's only then that you are really exercising mercy. Because mercy is when you and I have compassion, when we show people or give to them what they don't deserve, because in reality, they should be harmed, they should be punished, they should be dealt with. Somebody say, set them. Set them, set them, set them. Jesus told them in Matthew 5, he said, love your enemies. He said, love, love your enemies, love, love your enemies. And so we got to figure out a way where those who have done wrong, we got to figure out a way to set them, set them over in Goshen. But here, not only does he set them, but the Bible says that he sustained them. Oh, 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 you say, what? You say, what, 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 what? Yep, 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 yep. He, he, He brought them over to Goshen and he said, verse 11, he said, there I will provide for you. There, there I'm, I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to take care of you because if I don't take care of you, you and your household will experience poverty. And I'm in a position, Joseph said, to make sure that you don't, listen, 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 come out of the famine that you were in and come around me and remain in famine. He says, so I've got the power to not just set you, but I'm also going to sustain you. I'm also going to take care of you. I'm also, you said, take care. Take. Let me tell you something. There are um, some people who have done things to you that you're not necessarily going to be engaged in day-to-day interaction with them. As a child, I was molested. Now, I see the person. But I'm not necessarily going to be talking to them like that. I'm not going to be sitting at the dinner table, inviting them over every week and saying, won't you come on in here and let's have dinner. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because there's a place of protection that God does allow me to have. 
But what I will not do is I will not see that person on the street hungry and God opens up an opportunity where I can provide for them. I have, because I've released them, I have declared I will not just walk over them. So if I see that person and God causes me to be in a place where this person is hungry, now he hadn't done it yet, so we would have to practice it. <laughs> We're going to have to practice, Drew. We're going to have to practice. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and declare right now that because I have released the person, if I were to come upon them and they be harmed and in hunger or in a place of destitute, I'm going to respond in love. Because the thing that I understand, see, I, I want to share that with you because the thing that I had to come to understand is that God was not asleep when that happened. Because the Bible says that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So, so, so there are things that you and I have a difficult time reconciling. There are things that you and I just don't get. We just don't understand about God. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say, God, you would allow a little eight-year-old. It just doesn't come together. It doesn't make sense. But what we have to rely on is what we know. God is in control. I am on assignment. And it's going to be for my good and his glory. Not that it was good. He says he will cause all things to work together for my good. So now... There are young people that I see all the time or women or men that I'm engaged with and I'm talking. I know right off the bat they've been violated. I can speak to them before they can say anything. I already know because I know what they're displaying is a result. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't play. Don't play. I'm going to tell you something. Don't play because I will call you out if you are a violator. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in here, you better get some help. You better go to somebody and get some help because I will call you out. God allows us now to be on assignment in an evil world so that I can now speak into the hearts of people. I can now understand what you feel. I can understand where you've been. I've been in a dark basement. I know. So when you hurt, I hurt. But I can tell you this. It was for my good. He worked it together. And it's bringing him glory even now. Do you see? So there has to be a place where you and I are willing to sustain we're willing to provide to that person. We're willing to do what is in our means to do because God has called us on assignment. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Not only do you have to set your enemy and not only do you have to sustain your enemy, but you got to speak. You got to speak. You got to speak. 
So if you say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Do you mean just saying hi to him? I can say hi, you know. I can, mm. <laughs> they come by. You know. I called my daughter the other day and yesterday, and I had her going because a guy challenged me at the gas station. And so I told her, I said, hold on, I got, I got to go. I got to go. So I got off the phone. And when I get off the phone, when I call her back, I call her back. And I called her back, and I was like, yeah, you're going to need to come get me. She was like, where you at, Mom? Where you at? <laughs> I said, I'm in jail. She said, what happened? What? No, 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 don't, don't, don't tell me what happened. Don't tell me. I said, I took my umbrella, and I beat him down. I'm going on with her, right? Hush, Mom, hush. Don't talk on the phone. The phone is recorded. Hush. <laughs> I said, yeah. I beat him down. And I'm telling her, about, hush, Mom, don't talk. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. She's, she, where you at? Oh, my, where you at? Where you at? I'm coming to get, did Newton pick you up? Who picked you up? Newton, Cass, Newton. <laughs> so after I take her through all of this and get off the phone with her, I tell Willie, I said, obviously I ain't doing my job as a Christian because she still thinks I'll go ham. <laughs> I said, I ain't wearing my R12 enough. I call her back. I'm like, girl. She's like, Ma, I ain't know. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you got off the phone. I knew you was a little tight, but I didn't know. I was like, no. I just said I'm not moving. <laughs> so when I'm talking about speaking, <laughs> I know y'all, y'all a mess. Y'all, somebody say she a mess. She, they a mess over here, guess. They a mess over here. But when I'm talking about speaking, I'm not just talking about saying hello. He says to them what he's going to provide, what he's going to do. But he speaks to them with this place of love and compassion. So why do I bring that up? Because Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who what? Persecute you. When we think of blessing sometimes, we think about giving them something. But the word bless there is eulego. It is the word that we have for eulogy. It means to speak well. It means to now say words about them and words to them that are edifying and not words that tear them down. Oh, this going to hurt somebody right here, Pastor K. This going to hurt somebody because we were real quick to get on the telephone and talk to other people about them and what they did. But here, this word here means to speak well of them. Ooh. This is going to be a hard one right here. This word here, it means to speak. It's, look, write it down. I want you to write it down. E-U-L-O-G-E-O. I'm going to say it again. I want you to write it down. E-U-L-O-G-E-O. It's a compound word. It's made up of two words. It's two words put together. E-U is you. You. And you, somebody say you, 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 you means good. You means good. You means good. The L-E or L-O-G-E-O comes from our word logos, logo, which means words. So 
When you see a eulogy, we think a eulogy just means to preach. It means to speak well of this person. It means to say words about them that are good. That's what it means. So it's saying you have an opportunity for people who curse you to speak good. You have an opportunity to say, I don't care what they did to you. You have an opportunity and a responsibility, listen, to praise, to celebrate, to invite blessings, right? Listen to this. Listen to this. To consecrate a thing with a solemn prayer. So you and I have an opportunity now to speak words about and over that person who harmed, who persecuted. And listen, I love it. I love it. Because the word persecute there is a word that means it or the person ran you down for harm. It's like, I I, I love to use this illustration. Anybody ever been chased by a dog? You've been chased by a dog. I've been chased by a dog before. You've been chased by a dog. When you're chased by a dog, that dog is not chasing you to play with you. In most cases, you do have some dogs that are just kind of friendly and they really do want to play and you gotten all hyped up. But the dog is chasing you to get a piece of you. This person who persecute, to persecute means to run you down to get a piece of you. It means that this person came to harm you. I don't care if it's a boss that is trying to get you fired to do you wrong. They are persecuting you. When we think about persecution, we just want to think about the church. He's saying, no, in your everyday life, you and I experience situations where people want to persecute us. And sometimes, here, beloved, you got to hear this. Sometimes it has nothing to do with how they feel about us. Sometimes it has to do with how they feel about God. Sometimes that person has just been sent and put on assignment to take you to a place where you didn't think you could go anymore. But listen, you got to have in your mind that God is in control. So he's saying this very person who persecuted you, now I want you to bless them. I want you to speak good. I want you to have a time of consecrated prayer where you're lifting this person up in prayer and you're praying not imprecatory. That's what David prayed. David prayed that his enemies would be harmed. He says, I don't want you to pray an imprecatory prayer. I want you to pray a prayer where you're speaking good of them. You say, God, I pray you bless them. God, I pray you turn them around. We begin to talk just Wednesday night, and we were talking about a young lady who's got so much going on on the job. And as we begin to talk to her, I got up to pray. And as I start praying, God showed me she was just a wounded woman. She was just a woman who's been so hurt and so abused and so rejected. And so now she's just giving to this person what she feels like she never got. She's coming against this person because when she sees her, it represents everything she wants to be. And so when people persecute you, sometimes they persecute what's going on with you. They don't like it because you're happy. They don't, that's why I say you don't have to post on Facebook and do all of this. I call it, uh, you're trying to have a fight with words. Put that stuff down. You start blessing them. You start praying and thanking God for what he's going to do in their life and how he's going to heal them and how he's going to set them free, how he's going to give to them more than enough. God, I thank you that they didn't have God. You're going to start giving. 
away. But instead, when they were present, he began to speak good. And he says, that's what you and I have to do. We got to start blessing and not cursing. You know, it's amazing because I start looking at I start looking at cursing. And the reason why I start looking at it is because a lot of times when we think about cursing, we think about cursing from a person, you know, like doing something. But in reality, it's words, too. A curse is a word spoken to speak against you. It is a word where a person, they wish that you were dead. That's a curse. So now instead of speaking good, they're speaking evil. He says, so those that speak evil against you, they're talking about you. They're putting your name out in the street. He said, but I don't want you to respond in the same way. I need you to speak good. Speak good. He said, don't, don't you curse them. And that's, you know, we, 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 we want to differentiate between cursing and cussing. But the reality is cussing is really, it derived in the 1800s from curse. It's the same. It derived from that. Now we equate cussing with profanity. But there is there are two different words. Profanity and cussing are two different words. They're not even the same words. Profanity means to profane. It means, listen, to say things that are a bad language, but they're two separate words. And so we want to take them and say, well, it's the difference between cussing and cursing. No, it's all words. So he says, whatever words you're speaking, they're going to have to be words that bless, words that lift up. Not words that tear them out. Not words. Listen, when you see their kids and you start saying, "Uh uh-huh, I know they're going to be like that because they mama just like that. You just cursed that child. And then you got to ask yourself, do you want your children to be cursed? But no, you start blessing, speaking good. Does that make sense to us? So Joseph was in a place where he began to bless them. And he began to talk. He understood what they'd done to him. But he says, I refuse to curse you, but I'm going to bless you. So you and I have to supernaturally respond to this evil by grabbing a hold to the secret. And the secret is Joseph knew and Joseph did. So now we have to set people, our enemies, sustain them. And speak to and of them good. It's not easy, but it's possible. And every time that you and I set them, set them, set them in Goshen, every time we do that, we gain another level of peace. Every time we sustain them, we come to another place in who God called us to be. And every time we speak well, listen, we begin to reap the harvest of that speaking because the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300 Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. 
If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.